The Bradford Exchange presents the Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 11 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the Classic Radio Theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time we'll hear two half-hour horror episodes of Inner Sanctum Mystery. We'll begin after this short break. Most of us remember the CBS Radio Mystery Theater, originally aired from 1974 until 1982, hosted by E.G. Marshall, and created by the legendary radio producer Hyman Brown. Each episode opened and closed with the ominous sound of a creaking door slowly opening at the beginning of each broadcast and slowly closing at the conclusion. Brown first used this sound effect on his earlier horror series, Inner Sanctum Mystery, which ran between 1941 and 1952. The squeaking, creaking door became the trademark for both shows ushering radio listeners into a terrifying domain. Inner Sanctum Mystery gave its audience a weekly diet of thrills, chills, and black humor. Screen icons Boris Karloff, Peter Lorre, Raymond Massey, Lon Chaney Jr., and many others with the necessary sepulchral tones appeared before the microphone, their creepy voices projected into listeners' homes through a glowing radio speaker. The celebrated boogeyman of Inner Sanctum Mystery was Raymond Edward Johnson, a horror host with a unique delivery that set him apart from other show hosts. His standard introduction on every episode included ghoulish jokes with a sinister chuckle. Time now for the first of two Inner Sanctum Mystery episodes. In this first episode, starring Richard Widmark, death seems to follow Howard everywhere he goes. Howard dreams and people die. Here's Shadow of Death on Inner Sanctum Mystery. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. We're having a party tonight for two of my favorite corpses. I call them Romeo and Juliet. They're newly dead, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah, she's the daughter of a famous society murderer, and he's the pride of the East Side Morgue. Oh, they're so happy together in their mausoleum built for two. And you should see the bridal casket. Shame it... on you, Mr. Host, making fun of such a tragedy. But, Mary, it was a touching ceremony. Of course, I stood up for the groom. Naturally, the poor fellow couldn't stand up for himself. Oh, please. <laughs> it's an occasion for tears, not for laughter. That's right, Mary. Why, when the bride appeared wearing her grandmother's shroud, everyone had to be cheered up with Lipton tea. Now, that's enough. I will not have Liptons mentioned at a time like that. Lipton tea is for people who know how to enjoy life. These are the folks who really appreciate Lipton's famous brisk flavor. Yes, that word brisk, B-R-I-S-K, makes a big difference when you're sitting down to a cup of hot tea. Brisk means that Lipton tea tastes fresh and full-bodied, never flat or wishy-washy. I wish you'd try Lipton's, folks, even if you're not a regular tea drinker, because you just don't know how good tea can be till you know how good Lipton's is. Well, Mary, let's tee off into tonight's story. Hmm? It's called The Shadow of Death. <laughs> 
And it's an original radio play by that boogie-woogie man, Robert Sloan. Yes, and our star tonight is Richard Widmark, who plays the role of Howard. All set? Then turn off the lights and let in the shadow of death. On a lonely dirt road that borders the village cemetery, a single car slows to a stop and parks in the moonless night. Inside it, a man leans back in his seat and reaches for the hand of the girl he loves. Howard. Yes, dear? Why did you stop here? The cemetery's right over there. Oh, I didn't notice. You drove here last night, too. Did I? Yes. <laughs> well, you're not frightened, are you? Tonight I am. You've been so strange, so far away. I, I feel as if I hardly know you. Darling, you mustn't feel that way. What's the matter, Howard? There's something on your mind. I'm going away, Marie. Oh, no. And I'm not coming back. Howard, why? Well, I don't really know if I can explain it. It seems so incredible, and, and yet I know it must be true. What? Something I've discovered about myself. Something strange and frightening, Marie. Wherever I go, I seem to cast a shadow. A shadow of death. I... I don't understand. No, I didn't either at first. I thought it was just a strange coincidence. But it isn't. It's me. I bring death wherever I go. Oh, Howard, you don't really believe that. Well, how can I believe anything else? Haven't you noticed what happens to every living thing I have around me? No. I can't keep a pet of any kind, a cat or a dog. Even a plant dies when I have it in the house. Oh, darling, that's just your imagination. You've been working too hard. You need a rest. No, I'm going away, Marie. I don't want any harm to come to you. No, please. Nothing's going to happen to me. This is just... What's the matter? Nothing. I... I was just looking at the flowers in my corsage. Good heavens. They're dead. You don't believe me either, do you, Doctor? Well, let's not put it on that basis, Howard. After all, I've been trained to look for the physical causes of death, not the supernatural. Then what do you think I should do? Frankly, I'd like you to spend a few weeks away from these surroundings. Go up to the sanitarium I told you about. They'll take good care of you up there. All right, Doctor. I'll make arrangements to go tomorrow. But I know it won't do any good. You'll be surprised, Howard. Two or three weeks from now, you look back on this as a... Yes? That's strange. Those goldfish in my aquarium. They're all dead. Tell me the truth, Howard. Are you comfortable here in the sanitarium? They, they don't believe me. They don't believe that people die when I dream about them. People die? Yes, you... didn't you know that? Every time I have a dream about someone, it, it's a sign of death. And the next morning when I wake up, I look in the obituary column and I see the name of the person I dreamt about. Well, Howard, what have they done to you here? Nothing, only they don't believe me. The, the, the dreams, I mean. I had to prove it to them this morning. And it made me feel very bad. What made you feel bad? The dream I had last night. I killed a man, Marie. What? I killed him in my dream. Oh. He was a good friend of mine, too. He lived right across the hall. Oh, Howard, please. You've got to get hold of yourself. But I'm afraid, Marie. I don't want to dream anymore. Oh, darling, I can't bear to see you this way. Oh, I... I'll get you out of here. I promise, Howard. I'll get you out of here today. But, Marie, there isn't a chance of getting him out. You may have to stay in this institution for months. Oh, no. Dr. Gerard, can't you see what's happening to him? He's losing his mind. Well, I know he's taken a turn for the worse. That's all the more reason for keeping him here. It might be dangerous to discharge him now. Then why don't you do something to help him? We're doing everything we can. It's not easy. He persists in thinking he has this strange power of death. 
Nobody is able to convince him he's wrong. What about the man across the hall? Howard said they were good friends. That's another thing. They were good friends. But unfortunately, that man died this morning. Ah, oh, good morning, Howard. How do you feel today? Oh, much better, Doctor, much better. No bad spells last night? No curious moods? No, I feel fine. Almost well enough to go home. Let me look at your eyes. You will let me go home again, won't you, Doctor? Yes, Howard, of course, of course. You, uh, haven't had any of those dreams lately, have you? No, no, not for a long time. Are you sure? Well, I, uh... I did have one last night. You dreamt that someone was dead? Yes, I did. But 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 I, I, I know it's not true. It can't be true. Whom did you dream about? Marie? No, Doctor. I dreamt about you. That's why I know I'm wrong. You're alive, Doctor. Don't you understand? You've proven it to me. Easy, easy now, Howard. Tell me about your dream. Well, I, I dreamt I was going home. And all the people I'd killed in my dreams were alive again. Yes, go on. Well, somehow or other, I could see my house from this window. And everything was just as it was a long time ago. The flowers were growing. The dog was in the yard. The one that was run over? Yes, everything was well again. And I was well, too. That's why I wanted to go home. But you and Marie's mother didn't want me to. She was in the dream, Marie's mother? Yes, I, I don't know how she happened to be there, but she was. That's all right, Howard. Go on. Well, I started to leave, Doctor, but she held me back. She held my arms like this. And then you jumped up to ring the bell for help. But before you reached it, I was on top of you like this. Oh, I had my fingers around your throat. Oh, dear. And I was squeezing it so hard. I could feel your windpipe bending back oh, until you couldn't breathe anymore. Oh, let go. That's what let you said go. last night, you fool. I, I, you wanted me to let go. I, 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 I,
I hope you won't mind if I hide you under this bed. It may take them a little bit longer to find the body if I do. But... Yes, who is it? Dr. Frisbee, Howard. May I come in? Well, yes. Yes, I, I'll open the door. What is it, Doctor? Well, I was looking for Dr. Gerard. I thought he was in here. Oh, yes, yes, he, he was a moment ago. I, I, I think he went down the hall. Uh, no, I just came from there. I guess he went back to his office. Oh, yes, I guess he did. How are you making out, Howard? Fine, fine, Doctor, fine, fine. You seem a little nervous. Your hands are shaking. Oh, well, I... And you see, you've dropped your keys. I'll get them. It's all right, Howard. Wasn't going to take them away from you. But I am wondering how you happen to have any keys in your possession. Well, they're, uh, they're, they're not really mine. Uh, whose are they, Dr. Gerard's? Uh, yes, yes, he, he left them here. I, I mean... You he... mean uh, you stole them from him? No. Now, come, Howard. You can't expect me to believe Dr. Gerard would give you any keys. Now, you'd better let me have them so I can give them back. But I, I didn't... Let me have them, Howard. Thank you. You won't tell him I took them, will you? No, Howard, I won't tell. But uh, please don't take them again. I'll go anyway. I'll get out onto the road and I'll get a hit. Yes, sir, I'll get away. I've got to speak to Marie. Going down, mister? Guess not. Guess I'm a... Oh, oh, here comes another one. Hey, stop! Give me a ride, will you? Give me a ride, please, mister. Oh, he's stopping. Hey, hey, wait for me, will you, mister? I'm coming. I'll be right there. Oh, gee, thanks, mister. You going into town? Yes, Howard, but you're not. Oh, Dr. Frisbee. Yes, I've been watching you ever since you took those keys. I thought you'd try something like this. Well, I, I had to, doctor. I understand. Better get in the car, Howard, so we can talk this thing over. All right. You know, it's silly to run away from our place up there. If you really want to go home, all you have to do is ask. I did ask. When? This morning. Oh, wait a minute. Don't start the car. Why not? There's a truck coming. In back. Where? Oh, Howard, let go of me, Howard! I've got to have this car, Doctor. When I... Finished with it, I'll return it to you. Hello? Hello, Mrs. Walker. Who's this? Howard. You remember me, don't you? Howard, where are you? In a telephone booth around the corner. You're not in the sanitarium? No, I've been discharged. Dr. Gerard said I could go. You mean you're well again? Yes, I'm completely cured. Oh. Oh, I see. You don't sound very happy about it, Mother. Where's Marie? She's, uh, she's out on a date. When will she be back? Well, I, I don't know, Howard. She, she didn't say. I've got to see her again, Mrs. Walker. I've got to see her once more before I die. Before you die? Yes, I haven't much longer to live. Now, where is she? Well, I, uh, I... I think she said she was going to movies. You're lying. I'm not, Howard. I, I, I just can't be sure. But if you go to the theater, you, you might find her there. You don't want me to see her, do you? Uh, no, not until I've spoken to Dr. Gerard. Why? Don't you believe me? Don't you believe I'm well again? No, Dr. Gerard... Never mind what he said. Mrs. Walker, you mustn't dislike me. I'm very fond of you. You... You are, Howard? Yes. I've been thinking a lot about you lately. While I was in the sanitarium. Last night, I even had a dream about you. Keep bringing that number, operator. I've, I've got to locate Dr. Gerard. Why the hurry, Mrs. Walker? Howard, how did you get in here? Through the back door. Put that phone down, please. But I... Put it down, I said. Yes, yes. 
You lied to me about Marie being at the movies, Mrs. Walker. I, I didn't mean to, Howard. I, I told you I wasn't sure she was there. Where is she? This time I've got to know. Howard, how dare you? Take your hands off me. I'm not in a gentle mood, Mrs. Walker. I'm fighting against time. You've done something wrong, Howard. You've escaped from the sanitarium. No, I've done more than that, Mrs. Walker. I've killed a man. Howard! Two men, three men. I, I can't remember how many it was, but there's going to be one more. Howard, you, you wouldn't kill me, would you? Wouldn't I? What have you done to deserve your life? Uh, Let it ring. But, but that may be my call. Your call is coming now, Mrs. Walker. Howard, please. Put down that knife. Will you tell me where Marie is? I told you, I don't know. I don't know. Then I'll wait for her. Right here. Howard, you can't. No, no, you can't. Oh! Yes, I can, Mrs. Walker. Hello? Hello, this is Dr. Frisbee, sanitarium calling. Is Mrs. Walker there? I'm sorry. You have the wrong number. Marie? Marie, darling? Why, Howard. Howard, what are you doing here? I've been waiting for you to come home, darling. Aren't you glad to see me? Oh, yes, of course I am. It was such a surprise I couldn't catch my breath for a minute. Where's Mother? Upstairs. Why? Why, oh, I just wanted to know. You had no other reason? No. Howard, why are you staring at me? I'm not really staring. I'm just looking at you, darling. It's been such a long time since I've seen you. I'd almost forgotten what you were like. Well, uh, let's go inside. No, if you don't mind, darling, I'd rather go for a ride. You're... You're all right, aren't you, Howard? I, I mean, you're, you're completely well now. Oh, can't you see I am? Yes, but I... Yeah. Then let's not wait any longer, darling. Come on, we'll go for a ride. It's getting late, Howard. Don't you think we ought to go back? No, not yet, Marie. You just keep driving. These few moments we have together, maybe I'll... Marie, why are you stopping here? <laughs> We're low on gas, dear. I, I don't want to get stuck on the highway. Oh. Yes, Willoughby. Uh, uh, you'd better fill her up. Right. And uh, have you got a telephone here? Yes, I'm right inside. Thank you. Wait a minute, Marie. What do you want with a telephone? Oh, I was going to call my mother. She'll be worried about me. Oh, no, she won't. She knows you're with me. <laughs> Besides, uh, she went out for a little while. Well, maybe she's back by now. It won't hurt to call, will it? No, I guess it won't. I'll be right back, Howard. Well, hurry, darling. I want to be with you as much as I can. Yes, I won't be a minute. Number, please. Operator, quick, get me the police. This is an emergency. Yes, ma'am, right away. Headquarters, Sergeant Dunn speaking. Sergeant, listen carefully. I won't have time to repeat it. The murderer of Dr. John Gerard is right here in a filling station on Route 6 at the Hadley intersection. What shall I do? I can't keep him here. Does he know you're on to him? No. No, he doesn't know I read the story in a newspaper just before I got home. He was waiting there for me, and I haven't been able to get to a phone since. Well, don't take any chances. He's a homicidal maniac. Don't even try to stall him if he wants to leave. No. Just stay where you are and we'll be over there in four minutes. Oh, no, no, that's no good. He won't let me stay here. He'll take me with him. Marie. Oh, he's calling for me now. Marie. Just a moment, Howard. What can I do, Sergeant? What can I do? Give me the description of the car, quick. It, it's a dark blue sedan. License number 468J3. We've been going east on Route 6. Oh, I can't talk anymore. He's coming. Marie, for heaven's sake, what kept you so long? Oh, I had a hard time getting the number the... There was something wrong with the lines. But you were talking to somebody. Yes, I, I was speaking to Mother. You were speaking to your mother? Yes. She told me not to stay out too late. You're lying, Marie. No, I'm not, Howard. I talked to her. You talked to the police. That's why you lied to no. me. You did. Your mother's dead. Howard. I know, because I killed her. No. Be quiet. Get back into the car. You're coming with no. me. No, Howard. Howard, you 
You're hurting my arm. Get back in the car. Hey, you leave her alone. Keep out of this, you fool. Leave her alone. I told you to keep out of this. Oh, I know. Hey, put down that wrench. Now put it down. Oh, oh. oh could you? Never mind. Get into the car. Howard, why are you stopping here? Don't you know where we are, Marie? This is the cemetery. Where we stopped before. Yes. I like it here. It's so quiet and peaceful among the dead. Let's walk through the grounds. Howard, please. Why not, Marie? We're among friends. So many of our loved ones are buried here. It's nice to be near them. Come on, Marie. All right, Howard. You know, darling, we haven't much more time together. The shadow of death has fallen across our path. You said something like that before, but you never told me why. I'm being selfish, Marie. I know I have to die, and I want you to come with me. Why do you have to die, Howard? Because I... I haven't been true to myself, darling. I haven't been true to this power I have. The power of death? Yes. I've helped it along sometimes. Like that dream I had about my friend in the sanitarium. Like the flowers in my garden. Like those fish of Dr. Gerard's. You killed them? Yes. I knew they were going to die. But I shouldn't have helped them. That's why I'm being punished. But, Howard, why are you punishing me? I don't want to die alone, Marie. We've been away from each other so much, darling. I I want us to be together from now on. But... Don't be afraid, darling. I'll be gentle, Marie. So gentle. But you're making a mistake, Howard. No. You are. You've forgotten what you've done. You can't kill me, darling. Why not? My good heavens, Howard, don't you remember? Don't you remember that day at the sanitarium? You said you dreamt about me? No. No, I couldn't have. Yes, you did. Didn't they tell you what happened? No. Your dream. Your dream, it was true. That's why you can't kill me now. Marie, you... You mean... Yes, Howard. I'm dead. I can't believe it. Oh, you must believe it. Here. Here. Look at this tombstone. My grave is right here. No. Read what it says. Read the name on it. It's your name, Marie. Your name. Marie Walker. Yes. Then you... Then you really are dead. I told you I was, Howard. The shadow of death passed over me. Then let it pass over me. Hey, got him, Sam. Got him the first shot. Keep out of the way, miss. He may not be dead yet. No, I... I'm sure he's dead. Well, you certainly had a close call. Took all this time to locate your car. Finally spotted it on the road. You all right? Yes, I'm all right. The name of... My grandmother's tombstone saved me. How's that? Oh, it it doesn't matter. Say, that's funny. What? This guy was shot through the shoulder. My bullet wounds weren't serious enough to kill him. What do you mean? Well, I know it sounds crazy, but my shots didn't kill him. He was dead before I hit him. What a shame. Wasting two perfectly good bullets on a guy that was dead all the time. Well, at least they won't have to go far to bury him. Here's one villain who died practically in the middle of his own plot. (laughs) Isn't it funny how many of our stories seem to take place in cemeteries? You know, Mary, I think you ought to open up a concession in the cemetery. 
And you know what you could sell, hmm? Don't say it. Don't you dare. You know very well that the place to buy Lipton tea is and always will be your neighborhood grocery store. And, folks, that reminds me. You'll find it wiser to buy Lipton's in the larger, more economical size packages. That way you not only save money, but you also make sure that you won't run short on a beverage that's really a household necessity. Brisk-flavored Lipton tea. Well, before I put the skeletons back in their closets, I'd like to give you a parting word of advice. A body should never be left alone at the morgue at night. After all, it might become slab happy. <laughs> oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is The Whistling Legs by Roman McDougald. Yes, and let me tell you about next week's Inner Sanctum story. Directed by Hyman Brown and brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. You know... Usually our stories are about people who live six feet under the ground. But for next week, we've dug a lot deeper. In fact, it takes place in China. <laughs> and as a special added attraction, we've unearthed a new kind of character for you. Unearthed is right. This guy's been dead for 20 centuries. <laughs> and now it's time to close the squeaking door, so... Good night. Pleasant dreams. (laughs) Ladies, if your child comes home from school for lunch, you want to give him a quick but appetizing meal. And that's why you should serve Lipton's noodle soup. You see, Lipton's takes no time to prepare, and yet it has a fresh-cooked, old-fashioned, chickeny flavor. And is just swimming with tender golden egg noodles. Your children will love Lipton's grand homemade taste. So don't forget to serve Lipton's noodle soup. And don't forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's Inner Sanctum Mystery with Shadow of Death, starring Richard Widmark from October 2nd, 1945. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another episode of Inner Sanctum for you after this break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. On this episode of Inner Sanctum Mystery, a madman uses fear and terror to gain control of a Mexican gold mine. Here's The Devil's Fortune, starring Carl Swenson. Good evening, friends. This is your host to welcome you through the creaking door into the inner sanctum. Come in, come in. I've been reading my fan mail. Huh? Oh, sure, I get lots of it. Delivered in a hearse every morning. One lonely heart writes, Despite your sinister voice, you strike me as a fine gentleman and a homebody. I am companionable, good-natured, unmarried... And I've been hardly dead a year. Won't you please exchange photographs signed, Lonesome? (laughs) Did somebody say the lady spook out of turn? (laughs) Tonight's Inner Sanctum Mystery, The Devil's Fortune 
was written by John Robert and stars Carl Swenson in the role of Tracy with Charles Irving as McNamara. And now for tonight's chaos. In the deep hinterland of Mexico, on the ground level over a mine shaft, a ceremony is being performed by a frightened group of men. A ceremony of fear. Drums beat, and a roaring fire licks at the night sky. Underground in the mine called El Fortuna Diablo, the Devil's Fortune, floodwaters rise slowly to choke off all life in the shaft. Clinging to the elevation of a ledge, trapped and at bay, with the waters lapping at his ankles, is a young man. His expression is desperate as he fires a gun into the subterranean shadows at an unseen target. Give me a break, Mac. I got a right to live. Well, that's Tracy. You better come out with your hands up or drown. I'm waiting just around the air. Yo, your gun cocked ready to shoot me down. Just waiting. <laughs> Take all the time you need making up your mind, Tracy. Choose the way you want to die. <laughs> Choose the way I want to die. <laughs> Mac will get me even if it costs him his own life. Mac happened to me in a furnished room across the border in El Paso. I came out of a stupor one morning, opened my eyes blearily, and there was Big Mac sitting on a chair. Hey, who are you, mister? Never mind, kid. Right now, you're more interested in the third man in the room. Third man? Over there, propped in the corner, with a knife stuck in his chest. Well, I... Recognize him? Yeah, sure. Coombs. We were making the rounds together last night. Who killed him? You did. What? Check the knife. See if it's yours. I'll give you the details, kid. At about 2 a.m., you got into a quarrel with Coombs outside the Hotel Navajo. I happened to be around, taking it all in. You're a mining engineer, but you haven't worked in a year. You were stewing over your hard luck. You took it out on Coombs. It, it's hard to believe to... Take the corpse's pulse and then believe it. You blacked out and I hustled you both up here. Why? To give you a choice. Either I call the cops or the three of us go for a ride. We'll dump Coombs somewhere and then the two of us push on into the interior of Mexico. Is it a deal? Why are you helping me? What's in it for you, Mr. Uh, McNamara? You're a crack mine engineer. I need a crack mine engineer that I can trust. Your knife in Coombs means I can trust you anytime, anywhere. We dumped Coombs, and two days later, we were 500 miles inside Mexico. Mac? Huh? I've been thinking. That story that you palmed off on me about Coombs. You stuck that knife in him. <laughs> Maybe. But you'll never be able to prove it now. Mac, you're crazy. And you're soft. Soft and sentimental. The world's an anthill. Knifing Coombs was like stepping on an ant. Get tough, Tracy. Think big. How big? This big. I've got a map here. Yeah. Read off the name. El Fortuno Diablo. An abandoned gold mine just outside a native village called Alicante. All boxed in and boarded up. Hasn't been worked in 20 years. A fortune's been laying around begging for takers. Well, why hasn't anybody worked the mine? Fright. They're all petrified with fright. From the owner, a chump named Parento, right on down the line to everybody in town. There's a legend about the mine that scares them. <laughs> the devil is supposed to make his headquarters there. <laughs> the map is spotted with blood. Whose blood is that, Mac? The chump who had the map previous to me. Called himself Klondike. He lay there drooling over the map, whispering to himself about El Fortuno Diablo. Week in and week out, month after month, I listened to Klondike whispering to himself. Lay there. Lay 
Where, Mac? I had to break his hand open to get the map out of his fingers. Where were you, Mac? <laughs> I'll tell you sometime, Tracy. Sometime when you get out of line, maybe, you'll wish I hadn't told you. We reached Alicante, bleak, backward village, where civilization came trickling in slowly by donkey cart over narrow mountain passes. From here on, kid, watch me operate. How are you going to get El Fortuno, Diablo? Steal it. We steal the mine from a senor Parento, that owner I told you about. It's all fixed. Tonight, Parento's being told the hoodoo is off the mine and that he's a dope not to cut me in as a partner and start operating El Fortuno Diablo full blast. Who's telling all this to Parento? The one guy he'll listen to and believe. <laughs> what passes for the village wise man in these parts? A joker named Montesano. Montesano has this town organized, like Al Capone used to operate in Cicero. Everybody's scared not to listen to Montesano. Well, why will Montesano play ball with you? A gun in his ribs and 500 bucks in his palm. Just you watch how Montesano plays ball. I watched Montesano bat a home run for McNamara. We were in a room with Montesano, Parento, and a sharp-nosed fellow named Salvador. Salvador acted as a sort of bodyguard, advisor, and local technical expert to Parento. You will work the mine, Parento. You and the Senor McNamara. Boy, they're legende del diablo. The curse is no more. When your father was killed, he put the 20-year curse on El Fortuno Diablo. Now the time is over. But the man, they will not work the mine. In all Alicante, I can find nobody to work the mine. You will tell everybody in Alicante and in the mountains that Montesano say it is good to work the mine. Machinery trickled in by cart over the mountain passes. Fearful workers grumblingly responded to Montesano's call. The shafts were rebuilt, and the mine began operating. The end of the first week, McNamara played his trump card. He stole the mine. It was Sunday, the day off. Parento and his man Salvador had just left a conference with Mac. Mac was laughing. The kind of laugh that meant he was grinding his heels into an anthill again. <laughs> Happy days, Tracy. You've pushed your master plan another foot forward, huh? Oh, my old Tracy. Ah, take a gander at this. It's a contract for purchase. For a dollar and other valuable considerations, Parento signs the whole mine over to Mr. McNamara. Parento signed this? Yeah, he did. But he thought he was signing a requisition for supplies from Tampico. <laughs> I pulled the old document switch on him. Mac, that's an outright steal. Parento will call you a liar and a thief. He'll never get that chance, Tracy. Mac, what are you up to with Parento? Parento and his stooge, Salvador, have just gone into the mine for an administrative look around. At my suggestion. And Tracy... I've got a hunch they're going to meet up with that uh, El Diablo. Mac, what have you done? Those other valuable considerations I gave Parento. They were a couple of lunch boxes, packed nice and appetizing with chicken sandwiches and hot drinks. In just one minute, I'm going to pull the steam whistle cord so that Parento and Salvador get the idea that it's noontime and they're hungry. Mm-hmm. Minutes up. Mac, what's the connection? What have lunchboxes got... Mac! <laughs> now you're smartening up, kid. The box is open on a wire like a booby trap. Reach for a sandwich and smoke gets in your eye. Mac, I'm not going to let you blow up. Freeze, chump. This is a gun in your ribs. Hey. If you're itching to throw in with Parendo and Salvador... Uh, Mac! <laughs> Parento and Salvador got hungry. Now we're really in the mining business, Tracy. Big.
When the bodies came out of El Fortuno Diablo, Mac and I were out walking. The idea was the Sunday explosions happened mysteriously while we were away. That night at the hospital, I talked to the local doc. Ah, uh, poor Parento. We didn't even find enough of him to make a decent burial. Oh. Blown to bits. And Salvador? Well, with Salvador, it was a miracle, Senor Tracy. Salvador lives, but not his face. Now, when the bandages come off one day, it will not be the face of the Salvador we knew. Just like his mind, poor Salvador left his face behind him in El Fortuno Diablo. Parento blown to bits in Salvador with his head swathed in bandages. McNamara's master plan was going great. Now the mine worked full blast, round the clock, day and night. Montesano was on hand when needed, telling everybody the hex was off, keeping the men in line for Mac. The men were working overtime, but so was the accident emergency bell connecting the shaft to the shack we supervised from. The bell meant an injury, or worse. Tracy, if it's another casualty, I'll fry somebody in oil. We're running a mining operation, not a hospital. It wasn't a hospital case this time. It was a case for the coroner. In the mine shaft, face upward, with his eyes fixed and unwinking, lay a miner, Miguelito. All of a sudden, Senor Miguelito, he let out a cry and dropped to the ground. I live a thousand años and I never forget Miguelito's cry. What killed him, Tracy? Well, nothing apparent, Mac. No wound, nothing. Shock, I'd say, from the look on his face. It was El Diablo. El Diablo come before Miguelito. His face is black and standing from the side of his head, I see horns. Not that line of talk, Manuela. You're scaring the men. The scared men don't mind gold. Senor Magnamara, is it true? It was the devil who come before Miguelito. See? Look dead to the ground. El Diablo leave his footprints. <laughs> we looked. And there, clearly defined in the soft dirt, was a print. A hoof print. Mac, it's a hoof. It's a cloven hoof. Tracy, so help me if you blow your top in front of the men. Miguelito had a heart attack, man. He was just a kid, not up to being a miner. Now everybody back to work. The men went back to mining for gold. And the emergency bell kept ringing. Tracy. Yes? Go fetch that Alicante wise man. Tell Montesano the men need another spiel about how the devil has called it quits and the hoodoo's off the mine. As the devil called quits, Mac? Tracy, you blow your top and I'll blow your head off. I'm here to mine gold. If I have to kill every mother's son of you and work to mine myself. How do you explain the four murdered men and bad hearts, the 24-hour shift? Maybe the men got to brawling among themselves down there. It's easier to blame a killing on the devil than face a murder rap. Now what? That's the fire bell. Fire, Mac. Another omen of disaster. Your gold mine is going up in smoke. Mine with a raging inferno. Mac ran around like a wild man, barking orders, working with superhuman energy. Federal, get that equipment going. Mac was threatening them with a sample submachine gun spray. He meant mass murder, and the men knew it. Yeah, you're slowing up, man. Uh, maybe a little music will give you more inspiration. It was an impossible task. But the men got the fire out. Tracy. Yes? About those hoof prints around the mine. The uh, cloven hoof. I've been giving it a lot of thought. I thought those things didn't bother you. Not like they bother you, chump. They bother me another way. To me, it's a gimmick. And I get nervous if I can't figure out how a gimmick operates. A gimmick? I don't get you. We'll take a walk tonight, the two of us. And I'll show you what I figured out. <laughs> I've been playing timekeeper to the devil for a week now. Clocking him in and clocking him out. We took that walk. 
with a wind at our back, we hauled up outside a deserted mud house, located halfway between El Fortuna Diablo and the town. According to my timepiece, the devil is two minutes late. Mac, you're not making sense. <laughs> now, have yourself a look at the devil, Tracy. The devil was walking stealthily toward the door of the mud house. He looked just like Manuelo had described him. Black from head to foot, horns rising from his skull, and feet formed into hooves. We watched him enter the house. (laughs) Tracy, you've seen the devil before your time. Now we scram as quiet as we can get. Mac, what does it mean? It's a gimmick, and a smart cookie's got a monopoly on it. <laughs> Scare the bejabers out of everybody, knock heads together, knock a few guys off, and then sell protection. <laughs> I watched Capone work that gimmick in Cicero once. I'm being sold protection. Yeah, but who? One guess, chump. Montesano. Yeah, Montesano in his costume getup. Montesano tells the men the hex is off El Fortuno Diablo for a fee. And then scares them all over again and gets me to cough up some more. And you're letting him get away with it? Sure. I'm not leaving, letting him on yet. I like a man who thinks big, like friend Montesano. Besides, the men listen to him. <laughs> and I'm still here to mine gold. Mac was there to mine gold one way or another at any cost. But he wasn't going to get any gold. What's the story of the sampling, Tracy? You're not getting any gold. All El Fortuno Diablo has for you is this. Salt. You haven't got a gold mine, Mac. You've got a salt mine. You keep the report under your hat, Tracy. Mine operations will go on exactly as they are. It's crazy. The salt isn't worth the transportation. We're not mining salt. We're mining for gold. Mac, there isn't a grain of gold, I We're tell mining you. for gold, Tracy. For a year, I lay on my back watching Klondike drool over that map, listening to him whisper about El Fortuno Diablo. For a year, scrapped down tight so I couldn't move a muscle or wiggle a finger. But I could use my ears, Tracy, and my brain. We're mining gold. Gold, Tracy. You lay on your back, Mac, strapped down. Where were you laying on your back? You really want to know? Yeah. I told you once that maybe sometime you'd wish I hadn't told you. It was in the Meadowbrook Hospital for the Criminally Insane. We were to continue mining for gold. A madman was intent on mining gold even if there wasn't any gold. A killer with the delusion that he'd picked up in an insane asylum was insisting... On operations as usual. And the emergency bell rang as usual. Senor Trace, just now El Diablo was in the mine with my own eyes. I see him. Who got it this time? Montesano. El Diablo came up to the great Montesano and strangled him. Montesano? It's impossible. Montesano was your Diablo. Senor, what are you saying? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know anything. I... Manuelo. Si, senor. If you value your life right into the first town you can find that has anything like a police force, get them here. Drag them here. What, for what reason, Senor? McNamara's a crazy, cold-blooded murderer. You've all been working yourselves to death digging for gold in a salt mine. You're all his prisoners. And any minute, we'll all be his victims. Now hurry, Manuelo. Hurry! See, si, Senor Tracy. See. Si. Manuelo didn't get far. Mac stopped him outside. Then he came after me. I ran in panic into the mine. Here, in a trap. The waters are rising. Mac's around an L somewhere in the tunnel, waiting in ambush. And I have got a choice. Drown or meet Mac's bullets head on. Tracy, your time's running out. Mac, I got a right to live. You blab to Manuelo and he spread the word. I told you I came here to mine gold. You blabbed to my mellow. There isn't any gold! I worked my straps free at Meadowbrook and strangled Klondike to get that map. I shot up a Kansas bank to get the money to buy mining equipment. All that so I could mine gold. 
shot into the air to confuse me. He's there behind an L where I can't see him in ambush. Matt! Matt! He cannot <laughs> hear you, Senor Tracy. <laughs> Mac, he's there. El Diablo! It's the devil standing there. Like Manuelo described him, black from head to floor with horns rising from his skull. <laughs> How many devils are there around here? First Montesano, now you. Montesano is a faker. He sees tribute, he do many things. Kill many men. I have come to know, senor, that there is no diablo. No devil? You're not standing there, huh? Well, I am real, senor. Behind this face, I am Parento. Parento? They couldn't even find enough of you for a decent burial. For Salvador, they could not find. In the hospital, the doctor agreed that Parento will drive the devil from El Portuno Diablo. And the police agree Parento will be their deputy. You killed Montesano and McNamara? Si, senor. <laughs> what is so funny, senor? McNamara. <laughs> I was thinking of Matt's master plan. <laughs> he never figured that booby trap he planned in your lunchbox would blow up in his face. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. A porter in a gold buying service once swept this crack into a refuse pile. Many a body loses his mind. <laughs> Good thing Tracy came out of it all okay. What do you bet when he comes out of shock, he puts his diploma into heart? The way Mac framed him, I'd say Tracy was more engineered than engineer. So Montesano, the Al Capone of Alicante, got his unexpectedly. The only thing he'll collect from now on is dust, the greedy old devil. <laughs> Good night, pleasant dreams. Mm. Inner Sanctum has been brought to you through the facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. Sanctum with the Devil's Fortune, starring Carl Swenson from January 31st, 1949. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 12 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. Next time on episode 12 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, We'll hear two comedy episodes of My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball, so don't miss it. 
To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune in next time. Thanks for listening.